So hi, Vlad Mihalcha. Mihalcha is pronounced right. It's perfectly pronounced. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> almost a Romanian because what I also know is Bofta Buna. Bofta Buna, right? Bofta. Bofta Buna. Bofta Buna. Bofta Buna. Mm -hmm. buena, buena, buena Diminata. Buna, buna diminata. Buna diminata. Buna diminata. Buna diminata. This yeah. is what I learned. You're, you're, very, uh, you're, uh, you're very good. <laughs> yes, of course. I spent uh, several, I was several times in Cluj, actually, a few times mm -hmm. in Bucharest, and one time in Brasov. So this is my Romanian background. And oh. uh, what I noticed, I don't know whether uh, it is uh, common, uh, but uh, the um, Romanian developers I interacted uh, with, they were, everyone had good sense of humor. Is it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, this is what I really like. So um, this was my first uh, first opinion of uh, of Romania. So um, now um, our episode high performance Java persistence and cloud native basic was actually hugely successful, right? So I got so yes, many requests. What's about cloud native Q basic? And I say, hey, listen <laughs> to the episode. And uh, people were really disturbed. But uh, yeah, we actually mentioned for fun cloud native basic, and this is why I picked that to the title. And uh, yeah, uh, was nice, right? Yeah, it went uh, really well. Yeah, and what I also did some research on the HC computer, so it really existed, oh. and this was an interesting uh, background. So uh, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. interesting stories. So what? So we... probably it's similar to the one you had. Yeah, uh, it is really. And uh, what uh, what uh, I would like to do today is uh, to move from the database up to Hibernate, right? This is the idea. Great, great way. Mm -hmm. So uh, in database, so the the data is stored, of course, somehow. So it doesn't matter for because otherwise it will uh, take longer than one hour. But the fact is, some data is stored in memory and some data is stored on disks. And uh, depending mm -hmm. whether it is a hard disk or SSD, there are different problems and different strategy to store the data. But uh, what the database also understands are transactions, which basically uh, uh, imagine a buffer, right? So if we mm -hmm. write uh, data to nowhere and then we say commit, then the data is remembered, otherwise it's get, getting forgotten. So more or less something mm -hmm. like this. And uh, now in Java, we have to access the database. Uh, and we usually are doing this via the JDBC. And mm -hmm. uh, they are, I think, four driver levels. And uh, exactly. the uh, number one is, I think, native, right? The uh, the number four is the thin driver. This was the puristic, which uh, which was uh, hyped 20 years ago. Then the more curious one is the uh, middleware driver. I think it's level three yeah. because this was like, I never saw this actually in action. I remember one database. I think it was Cloudscape who could, a, hmm. could do this. And this is like driver with two APIs, right? The one would be, let's say, I don't know, back then was RMI or Corba and otherwise interacted with a database. And the mm -hmm. level two uh, driver was, forgot what? What was the level two? It was, uh, I don't remember the numbers, but one of them, uh, as I remember them, one of them was based on ODBC. So it was, it exactly. was just a wrapper on top of ODBC. Then you had the one that you mentioned, which was somehow like a middleware. It was uh, some kind of a driver which was supposed to work in the Java E application server. Mm -hmm. And then again, you also have the native ones. And nowadays, like the latest drivers are just written in Java. Yeah. So there is, it's just an implementation of the uh, communication protocol. Yeah, exactly. I was actually wrong. The first one is JDBC ODBC bridge. This is what you yes, mentioned. Yes. It's mm -hmm. almost disappeared, right? So back then. Yes, it was in the 1996 when yeah. uh, ODBC was, was popular back then. Yeah, and I remember then there was the something with Wind, Wind, Wind database from Microsoft where you can connect via this. Then the second mm -hmm. uh, level two was the native driver, which native, means yes. uh, 
it was Oracle famous for that. So you could yes. just o OCI. OCI. Yeah, like the Oracle OCI. Yes. So you so, had a wrapper on top of OCI mm -hmm. and you called native functions. Via GNI, yes. for instance, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Something and like uh, the problem was, of course, it was not portable because it is, of course, uh, mm -hmm. operating system dependent. And yes. back then it was, in one point of time, uh, they, or at the beginning, it was faster than the pure Java, at least it was the, you know, the... Yes, and many, there were some features ago, available. Yes. As I remember, REC, right? Real applications cluster from Oracle were only available back then via the level mm -hmm. 2 driver. And level three is the strange one, middle world driver, which uh, I don't yeah. don't exist anymore, right? I'm not sure. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've never ever seen it. So it's just a theoretical uh, exercise for me. I, yeah. I don't Cloudscape know. Cloudscape database, uh... which I think Derby, mm -hmm. the Derby, I think is, should be still available. And the level four is the uh, thin driver. The one that we will use. Yeah. And uh, do you have? Do you still see the uh, native driver? In somewhere? Uh, I, I don't see it, but uh, what uh, what I know is that um, the Oracle OCI driver has some capabilities which are not available in the JDBC, especially related to resiliency exactly. yeah, and yeah. Uh, some stuff like uh, fault tolerance. Yeah. And some people prefer it uh, for that, for some specific applications. But most, uh, if you're a Java developer, most of the time you're going to use the JDBC driver, unless there is some very, very specific scenario. Level four, pure Java driver. Yeah, the yeah, level exactly. four. Mm -hmm. That's that's what nowadays it's the standard. That's yeah. the that's the standard. Yeah. Then are the drivers, but at the end of the day, it's just configuration. So driver is just a string, and mm -hmm. uh, what yeah, uh, what we do is string. we say first uh, we uh, instantiate the driver by loading that class for name. So then you know mm -hmm. and. Constructor gets called, static initializer gets called, which registers the driver in driver manager. And then we can mm -hmm. ask the dr a driver, driver manager get connection, I think. And then you, the first part of the string is the you know, name of the driver. So the, you can have a couple of drivers, but the, mm -hmm. the one is uh, picked up, which listens to the first part. And then you're passing usually, you know, the host name and, uh, and port. And then you port get the connection day. interface back which happens to mm -hmm. be the, the implementation comes from the driver. This is the trick which Java does, right? So this is like the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. driver manager would be the, the factory and it returns the yeah, implementation. Yeah, the factory of connections. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's important for people to know that um, whenever you're calling the driver to get you a connection, you always get a physical connection mm -hmm. because if uh, Java added support for data sources, which give you logical connections. So mm -hmm. there is a subtle difference between them. Mm -hmm. But every time you go to the driver, you will get a handshake, a TCP handshake, and you will get... Uh, an actual physical connection, not but the logical ones can be acquired either from um, like physically or they can be just fetched from a pool. Yeah. In the end, it doesn't matter for the user, but it matters from the mechanism that uh, you obtain the connection. Okay. So uh, yeah, on for instance, application server, you can get a you usually get a wrapper or a proxy of the of the mm -hmm, connection. Exactly. And uh, if you say close, you close nothing. It just returns to the pool. And if you have exactly. your own connection and you say close game over, then this is closed. And the opening and closing takes some time. So therefore, you know, at the beginning of Java, people invented connection pooling, you know, to save the time. So you can just run on open mm -hmm. TCP IP. TCP connections, which is faster, right? Yes, and they kept on and they kept on inventing them because uh, Hikari came out. Uh, let's say came out only over the past uh, seven years, and nowadays it became a standard. So it didn't stop. It's not like uh, the problem was solved and forgotten. Mm -hmm. uh, it kept on. Um, th there were solutions that emerged over time, and then. You also cre cre created a connection pool, right? No, uh, no. I actually created only a wrapper mm -hmm. for uh, for the pools in order to provide monitoring and some um, uh, fault tolerance capabilities we 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 uh, required to have in a project that we were developing at the time 
And um, it was a funny story because I asked uh, the project manager, uh, would you like to invest in building this tool that will help us? Oh, no, we don't have time. We don't have the budget. And I did it over the weekend. And on Monday I asked him, but if we have it, can we use it? Ah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> this is a sad story, not, not funny, you know. It, uh, now, uh, when you look back, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the shift of opinion. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that your uh, collection pool is a complete pool, not just a decorator. No, but, no, it's uh, just a wrapper. But I you could write a complete pool, right? It's not that hard. I could actually... Yeah, the problem is applications have uh, integration. Know, it's, applications, it's data very... sources. Mm -hmm. It, it's it's not very, let's say that it takes a lot of time to, to write one which is uh, uh, high performance and uh, covers all the issues. It's not, it, it will take a lot of time and the, at the time there were already very good solutions and I, I didn't felt like there is any reason to start writing my own because Picari uh, C3PO and Tom, Tomcat uh, CP are, and DBCP2 are very good solutions. So it's, I, I don't know why coming with another one uh, with uh, Justify and uh, you know, I open mean, source oh, is not. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, sure. But uh, do you know? Do by the way, work. do you know? Uh, you remember about something? P6 Pi? Uh, yes, yes. I know. It, it's it's um, actually it's still uh, available and uh, have to look it it's, it's it's still a solution for. But it's people use it for logging. Exactly. So uh, in in task forces, we use P6 Pi as a middleware driver. That uh, is still still a thing. Uh, I thought it, yes, it died. It's, it's still. Okay, no, nice. no, it's uh, actually very old. Mm -hmm. It's very very old. It's from the J2EE time. Yeah. Uh, but it's still uh, it's still available, and I think that it's still the reasonable solution if you're using uh, application servers even nowadays. Mm -hmm. Because, for instance, if you're using Spring, you can just uh, wrap the entire data source and switch the data source with your own uh, proxy. Mm -hmm. But in uh, in Java E or Jakarta E, you cannot mm -hmm. do that because the data source is managed by uh, by the application server. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. They need to uh, not only that they need to manage; they need to integrate it with their GT transaction manager. Mm -hmm. So you cannot just uh, uh, swap that with your own implementation. So P6 Pi uh, had a clever idea. So they they they, uh, they wrap the driver. Mm -hmm. So instead of using the uh, the regular connection string, mm -hmm. you use their own connection string and they wrap the drivers, which is clever. And I think that is still the most reasonable solution for Jakarta E. Yeah, uh, I use it a lot uh, in task forces uh, to see, you know, why it doesn't work. And uh, I remember a very ancient website. Now they are even on GitHub, which is uh, which is nice. Yes. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, even the old projects have responsive APIs, <laughs> have responsive okay. websites. Yeah, <laughs> if it's a responsive website, it didn't die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, w another thing, what I also did sometimes, remember some, something different, I had to wrap the JDBC drivers as well by myself. And the reason was for some banks and um, insurance companies, they wanted to have the actual user in the database. And what we had mm -hmm. to do is you know, to store the user in thread local and then pick mm -hmm, the user mm -hmm. and tell the database yes. this is the actual user because it's not you know the resource user which manages the pool yes. rather than mm -hmm. the principal. And they had mm -hmm. you no know, proprietary APIs available on DB2 and, and Oracle. It's like switch switch user or switch connection, something like that. Mm -hmm, so I could mm -hmm. say, you know, hey, Oracle, I'm actually the user Adam and Oracle stored the information somewhere. And this was important for audit or tracing things. So yes. I also had to yes, wrap, yes. you know, the JDBC connection jdbc driver uh, by myself and uh, uh, pre uh no pretend i'm i'm now the oracle driver and it actually worked 
Yes, yes, it's a it's a very nice API and it enabled a lot. I, I think people uh, tend to forget it, but before JDBC, it was uh, the state of the database connectivity was very, let's say, it was very ancient and very bad at the time. Because when you when you developed an application, you had to and you had to port it from Oracle to PostgreSQL. You had to rewrite everything, the communication protocol, and this saved a lot. And the API is nice. And exactly as you said, you you wrapped it to implement your business use case. I wrapped it to provide the connection and uh, connection monitoring so it's great because uh, we don't have to uh, it's not an end it's not an uh, let's say even if they provide a driver it doesn't mean that you cannot enhance it mm -hmm. with and integrate it with your own uh, use cases so that's yeah good api as jdbc came out you remember that uh, there were lots of criticism like uh it will never work because it is too abstract <laughs> And uh, no, I don't remember that. I, I don't remember that. Actually, I started learning Java in uh, 2003. So I think that I, oh, I didn't get mm -hmm. that part. So probably you are referring to some discussion that happened between 96 and 2000 or maybe yeah, yeah. before. JD, JDK 1.1 and uh, JDBC was one of the first like the APIs. And mm -hmm. I was in projects and we used directly Oracle drivers. So you could, um, without JDBC, you had to use it, you know, directly the Oracle mm -hmm. Java yes. stuff. They had Java drivers before JDBC. And mm -hmm. uh, then JDBC came out. And as you know me, I always know for standards and APIs or whatever. It's like I forget, you know, the proprietary stuff. I would like to have the JDBC. Say no, it will never mm -hmm. work because we need the power. Yeah. JDBC is too much abstraction, you know. And this, this happens yeah. in one year. Everyone bashed, you know, JDBC. And then everyone find out it's not a problem at all. And now JDBC is just natural. And I, I mean, yeah. sometimes I see that pro uh, people are casting, you know, connection to Oracle connection to do sp very specific things. But this mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. exception from the rule, I would say. It is a very, very, let's say. No, uh, I wanted to point one thing that um, people, uh, which is useful for, for, for people to realize because most of the time, I, I you know I, I make this joke <laughs> during my training, but you can actually you can actually uh, figure out the uh, how old the project is by just going to the POM XML file, yeah. find the version of the JDBC driver, and that's when the project has started because nobody will upgrade the JDBC driver. Mm -hmm. This uh, rarely happens, and it's sad because the drivers keep on evolving. They add new features like uh, support for statement caching or even bug fixing performance improvements. So you have to keep an eye and upgrade it from time to time. And also what uh, I want people to realize is that there are many features which the driver enable you, like statement caching, uh, for instance, uh, and you have to enable it through the driver. They have some properties you need to set. So it's very important to to uh, read a little bit about the driver documentation. It's not uh, it's not that much. It, you can read it in a one hour, but there are many features which you, uh, which you can only enable through the driver. So it's not just uh, put the connection string and forget about it. No, there are some things which actually can um, can improve the performance of uh, of the application without having to change your code at all. It's just setting the right properties. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you said, the drivers have really amazing features. So uh, I recently, uh, we had to tune a project with Postgres drivers. It's amazing which features were available. Mm -hmm. The same is true at, at Oracle side. So uh, mm -hmm. what you can usually set up on a driver, you know, the transport between um, some have compressions, mm -hmm. for instance, from the SQL statements, yeah. because they are just ASCII and you can compress them. And then mm -hmm. you have features like, you know, buffering, and uh, you can also pre-cache the 
uh, these statements, which can which can happen on the driver or database level. So um, yes. if we just consider Oracle and Postgres, I think this is the most popular one, right? My MySQL is not that popular, right? I would say in Java world. It is actually. Yeah. It is. Uh, it is actually. It's. Um... It's like you said, it's uh, nowadays I keep on seeing Postgres, mm -hmm. then MySQL Oracle exactly. on a par. I actually ran a poll on Twitter and it was like that. It was Postgres, 40 something percent, then 24, 25 Oracle and MySQL and uh, Microsoft SQL Server, somewhere like 7%. Mm -hmm. And some people mentioned DB2, but I think that's just two, three, four percent or something like that. And everything else is just... Uh, very used to, uh, seldom. db2 is huge but db2 is probably not you know the audience which reads your twitter because uh, all yes, the you yes. know insurance banks have db2 and this is old host system and there's always db2 uh, and yes. uh, but you are not always allowed to talk directly to db2 so you will have you know go through uh, strange apis to access the database but uh, db2 is actually, or something like that yeah yeah and uh, so okay so if we consider mysql postgres and oracle which are so mm -hmm. the most useful features of a GDBC driver, like you know compression or, or previous mm -hmm. statement? Pool. So because they are not widely known, and uh... well, I think that uh, all of those, mm -hmm. all of those su support statement caching, mm -hmm. which what is, is very important. So statement caching, what uh, what does it do? It allows you to reuse uh, some segments, uh, some let's say some steps, uh, which are uh, part of uh, the execution of an SQL uh, string. So for instance, when you, when you're executing the statement you are sending a string mm -hmm. to the database. So mm -hmm. the database has to first, it has to parse it. Mm -hmm. It has to take the string, parse it, and they build an abstract syntax tree. Mm -hmm. And during that phase, they identify whether the statement was written properly and that you are identifying uh, proper uh, like uh, tables, uh, the right columns and everything. So uh, the, they do the validation. And then you get abstract syntax tree. And based on the abstract syntax tree, then they uh, have the optimizer takes it and builds the execution plan. Mm -hmm. And the execution plan is like a recipe, is like an algorithm, how you fetch the data based on the least cost, mm -hmm. which is the most performant way of executing it. And at the end, the executor just takes that, the recipe, runs it, and gives you the result back. Now, statement caching allows you, for some databases, to reuse the abstract syntax tree so you don't have to reparse every time the same statement over and over. Some databases for which you pay a lot of money, like Oracle, SQL Server, uh, DB2, uh, take it a little bit further and allow you to even reuse the execution plan. So now the problem is why, why this is a very difficult problem to solve is that the execution plan is sensitive to the bind parameter values because if you change the value, it might change the plan radically because some uh, bind parameter values, for, for instance, might uh, uh, might end up scanning 90% uh, of a table, which in which case it uh, there is no reason to use an index. Actually, using an index uh, actually would hurt performance. But some of them have high selectivity. They only uh, have to scan 0.1% of the table and using an index in that case works great. So for that, this is a difficult problem because they have to know the value and then they have to store plans for that particular values and uh, use multiple plans to give you the right plan uh, uh, when you're reusing a plan, for instance. And that's also that statement. So you have statement caching on the server side to reuse either the abstract syntax tree or the execution plan. And also on the client side where you can reuse, for instance, some metadata because the connection and prepared statement have metadata for what? Like uh, the column, uh, a, a given column in a table 
is, uh, for instance, uh, is a varchar 250. They know that a, a buffer of varchar 50 needs to be allocated. Mm -hmm. So these constructs, internal constructs, can be reused, mm -hmm. especially if you're using pooling and stuff like that in your use connections. And the driver allows you to to do that via all sorts of settings. And some uh, some drivers now have, uh, you can set the property uh, for how how uh, how much uh, should uh, how how many statements should be cached, like 50, 100. How many do you want? It's a it's a trade-off between memory you know, and uh, CPU and uh, wasting time uh, of processing stuff. But nowadays, I, I don't think that memory is an issue because most uh, um, most servers have uh, quite a lot of memory. And just uh, if you if you configure uh, if you configure the statement cache to even if it takes five or 10 megabytes, it, I don't think that's uh, going to be a problem when you have 32, 64 gigabytes of and the statement. Is rep the the yes. prepaid statement is represented on the Java side as a prepaid statement. You would usually do something like connection prepaid statement? Exactly. Uh, theoretically. Yeah, it's theoretically. It's theoretically because in reality, uh, it's, it's not always like that. So mm -hmm. you, even if you create a prepared statement, even, even if you get a prepared statement implementation, uh, it's not the theoretical one where you, when you're preparing, uh, the database builds the abstract syntax tree and gives you a handle. Mm -hmm. And when you bind parameter, when you bind uh, the values for the parameters and execute it, you send the handle and execute it then and build the execution plan. Theoretically, that's how it should work. But the database systems realized that most of the time, uh, developers are simply executing one statement and then switching to another one. Mm -hmm. So they, uh, MySQL, for instance, uh, actually all of them do that. They they don't really prepare the statement. They just execute it, they emulate it on the client side and they ju just execute the statement and build the syntax tree uh, um, on the fly. So only if you execute the same state, prepare statement like uh, Postgres has a, a threshold of five. Only if, only when you prepare it five times, then it will uh, cache it uh, on the server side and give you the handle so you can reuse it. Mm -hmm. And it's available for as long as the connection uh, is open. You don't close the physical connection. You don't close the physical connection. Mm -hmm. So, and, which can happen in the pool. It can be like 30 minutes. This is also very important to for people to know. You don't, uh, pooling is great. It is great because you don't have to reopen the uh, connection on every request, but you don't. But you don't have to go on the other extreme and keep your connection open for for one month, mm -hmm. because it uh, you don't actually it's it, you don't have to keep it for longer than let's say thirty minutes. Thirty minutes is great. You saved a lot. Uh, even if you pay a small penalty of uh, ten milliseconds every half an hour, that's not going to be a problem for your application. The problem is when you keep it for too long, and then the TCP uh, connection kills the connection, yeah. but the pool doesn't know it kills, so yeah. it will throw exceptions and cause more problems than uh... exactly. This is a very common problem that you know the the logical connection seems to be right, mm -hmm. and the physical yeah. connection is broken because I don't know firewall yeah. closed that or whatever. And then you try to access the physical connection via, as a, from your perspective of a software developer, everything looks nice because you have uh, the mm -hmm. actual connection implementation, which looks like, you know, pulled something and the mm -hmm. internal connection is broken. Not even though no, the internal uh, connection is still all right, but the socket, you know, behind the, 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 the yeah. connection is broken. It's and closed. then you access that, mm -hmm. you get an error and everything is gets rolled back. This is why the, some pools uh, offer you uh, a feature where you can you know, store a SQL statement and they will mm -hmm. use the statement to check the connections. But I think you are absolutely right. If you keep you know, the connection shorter, then they, they will be just uh, naturally reused, which is more stable than keeping in forever and ask every connection mm -hmm. are you right? Like, you know, has check at connection level. Even, uh, even the um, uh, 
connection pooling uh, developers tell you to do that, to, to have a shorter, you don't have to keep it for two hours. And you mentioned that SQL string, which uh, was very common before, but nowadays since JDBC 3, I guess, there is an is valid method, mm -hmm. it's implemented, so you don't have to provide the string. Mm -hmm. Now they only call is valid, it's like a ping, something like that. So they just, just ping the connection mm -hmm. to see if it works. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to run a statement. Previously it was like select one or something like that, you would uh, put, uh, or select one from dual. Or <laughs> but nowadays you don't have to send a statement you can just call it valid but sometimes you can provide a statement just specific to your needs you know like mm -hmm. connect yes. or you go to your own table and select something because it's also possible so mm -hmm. it's one of the setting of the connection pools so mm -hmm. uh we so what do we find out that we have one cache on the database side which uh basically associates the how to call it the uh the query or the statement uh this uh signature associated exactly. with the yes assembly code yes. let's say right so with the machine code because at the end of the day it's executable with it's like exactly. more or less Something like, like that yes what hotspot does right we have hot methods exactly. and for the methods we have then the the machine code or bytecode machine code so this Something is exactly, like that is similar yeah. yes and then uh then there's the association then we have on the uh server side uh, or, or yeah runtime or server side we have a connection pool which uh which which keeps a physical connection to the database and on each side oh this was a feature what i remember uh, some databases have connection independent statement pools and some databases mm -hmm. maintain you know a per connect yes. physical connection statement pool and i think in yes. oracle it was independent right in oracle you, you uh, every connection could access the same prepared statement right uh yes they can uh, they they have this and uh, you can even from different connections you can reuse the same execution exactly. plan they have it uh, and it's concurrent and it's it's actually it's, it's a feature which works great because they have this um, uh query cache uh, execution plan cache which works for any any connection mm -hmm. that accesses otherwise it would not be very useful um and it makes sense because they have, uh, if you're using it in a bank where you have billions of uh, records in the database, you want that execution plan to be cached because it might take a lot of time yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Um, what's the best one? And you said uh, you said one thing, which is the method signature actually is just a hash. Mm -hmm. Whenever you st uh, you're you're sending the string, they uh, uh, they generate a hash, mm -hmm. and that's the key in the mm -hmm. cache, mm -hmm. and the value is the execution plan. And you and for this you have to pay attention. Even if you add an extra white space character it will generate a new hash mm -hmm. and you cannot reuse the plan yeah. so you have to be consistent when you generate the statements mm -hmm. a data access framework like hibernate or other data access framework can give you this consistency because it generates the statements for you but if you're doing it yourself and you generate and you build the you build the same query sometimes with an alias, sometimes with a different column alias, then it will not benefit from this. So you have to pay attention. That's mm -hmm. very important. And few people actually uh, think uh, think it through or think about it whenever they write uh, a query. Yeah. And uh, on the driver side, we also have a pool, but this is a pool per connection, right? So we have for every connection yes. a, uh, yes. a set of uh, statements. Exactly. So Yes, we... which uh, they cache the metadata for it. Exactly. So if we get no... 10 connections with 10 statement cache, we get 100 uh, cache. Probably slots. something yeah, like that. Yeah. But it will not, uh, it will not take uh, so uh, a lot of space. It's, an, it's not, it's just on the client side and it shouldn't take a lot of space. Yeah, you can, uh, you can always monitor it to see how much time it takes using all With your feature pool, right? So I think your, your decorator also monitors that. Uh, not, my one doesn't have support for that, but you can use uh, something like uh, just uh, uh, in Java, like uh, Visual VM. How, how is it called? J Visual VM. Yes, it's, 
yeah exactly visual jvm mm -hmm. and then you you see how much uh, memory is taken by every part of your system so then you can use that or maybe you have your own i don't know you're using some uh, professional application monitoring system using agents and stuff like that which uh, monitors mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. that happens and then you will know how much time it takes but most of the time i don't think that's going to be a problem the memory consumed by unless you uh, set it unless you set it to to store 200,000 uh, statements there i don't think it's going to be a problem mm -hmm. and uh what else feature do we get like compression is it worth using? Uh, I don't know. I, ha I haven't seen it. Uh, I haven't seen uh, people. You mean like uh, comp using something like a uh, gay zip, uh, zipping uh, the strings that are sent in order to yeah, yeah. Uh, compress them to know on the, the client the and SQL statement and and also you know compression from the result set. And uh, mm -hmm. I also ask myself whether it is good or bad. But uh, it, it... I'm not sure if I, I've seen it or people. Uh, I personally didn't use it, and I haven't seen people writing articles about it so i don't think that's uh, it's a feature that's very common i i, I cannot say whether it's uh, not probably it's very useful in certain uh, situations where you're sending a lot of data but uh, you have to balance it's a trade-off between the cpu you are uh, spending to compress it and to decompress it mm -hmm. and the networking uh, advantage you get from uh, transferring uh, fewer data, fewer bytes over the network. So it's a trade-off between it. So you have to, uh, I think that it's, it's worth by if you're analyzing and uh, if you're analyzing and monitoring the network traffic to see after you implement it, how much you gain from it. Mm -hmm. Probably it makes sense if the network becomes the bottleneck. Yeah. Otherwise, if you still have a lot of bandwidth and it, uh, you can transfer data fast enough, uh, probably that's not going to be an issue. I haven't seen it because, uh, in my opinion, I think it's much more valuable for people to select only the right data that they need. Most of the time, performance problems come because people select way more data than yeah. they need. But if you're using pagination and you only select just as much data as you require to, let's say, uh, implement your feature for whatever you are displaying on the screen, then I don't think that you really need compression. If you if you only if you only select like 100 records, I don't think that compression will be justifiable. People probably need to enable it because they want to get 100 million records from the database, just in order to uh, process them in, in Java because it's much more uh, it's, it's not efficient, but it's much more developer friendly for them because they can use whatever tool they have in Java. Mm -hmm. When in reality, uh, it probably it would be better to just process it on the database and just get the result from it. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're using a, a high-performance database like Oracle, SQL Server, DB2, mm -hmm. which for for for, uh, for those databases is not a problem to just process 100 million records. They were built to process way more than that. Mm -hmm. What other features do you like? So we had already know the the prepaid statement. Uh, okay, yes. SSL uh, encryption sometimes. SSL important. that's important. That's very important. And I think that one which is very important is uh, fault tolerance. Mm -hmm. Uh, fault tolerance as well, and also the transaction, uh, the transaction routing. That's very important. Why? Because you have a primary node which can process read-write transactions, and then you have replica nodes which are read-only. If you're using replication nowadays, it's it's uh, it it was used to be called master-slave, but it's not a proper name. So it's it's the primary follower database or primary replica database system. Leader follower, you know? exactly. 
leader follower data. Nowadays, I, I noticed that uh, people are calling it primary and replica or primary or farm or something like that, or leader, exactly like you said. So you have one, one node accepts uh, all uh, read-write transactions, and it uh, eventually it will write all the changes to the redo log, and the redo log is then replicated on other uh, follower databases, and uh, those databases replay the redo log, and then they will get eventually they will get uh, the same state as with the primary. And what's the advantage? Is because you have with, with every new follower node you have more resourcing, more you have more processing power, and then you can redirect the read read only transaction to those nodes uh, those nodes in order to reduce traffic on the primary node. And the database uh, driver can do that because uh, you know you have on the connection you have a read only flag. And based on the read-only flag, the driver can redirect the connection uh, to 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 the uh, to the server, or to to it can even have a list of servers and use round robin to to locate mm -hmm. one uh, one uh, replica node and execute that query on the replica node instead of uh, uh, executing it on the read-write. So that's that's a great feature. And this one can also be used for fault tolerance. For instance, if one node dies, uh, then it will just switch to to one uh, which works. For instance. Which databases, uh, which drivers are doing this? MySQL has this, uh, for instance. You can provide a list, uh, like a comma-separated list of nodes, and if one doesn't work, it just switches to, to the other one. And uh, also there are solutions. You have HA proxy, HA proxy. Yeah. And you also have proxy SQL, which give you this capability. Those are not; uh, those are like external services. Yeah, which provide external. I, I get it because I, I didn't knew that this is built into GDBC drivers. What no, we... no, no, those are external ones. Yeah. What we uh, what we did is similar uh, to increase the performance of a database. What you can do, this is what you uh, we had uh, first Oracle, right? We have the just the mm -hmm. master database and yes. not slave rather than hot standby, right? And uh, what you can uh, yes, you yes. can do this yeah. is uh, uh, replicated from the master to the hot standby. And mm -hmm. uh, what you can do then, the hot standby is operational. So you can write mm -hmm. to master and read from hot standby, right? So. And it's synchronous. It's, it's synchronously replicated. Yeah, you can synchronously or asynchronously replicate. It really depends how, uh, how, uh, how performant or consistent your application has to be. And mm -hmm. uh, this is uh, what we usually did. We used two connection pools, you know, one for the master yes. and one for the for yes. the for the other yes. one. Yes, that can work as well. Yeah, and and this uh, and uh, two uh, JPA uh, entity managers, and 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 we had a pattern where if we inject, you know, the the reader write is one of the few examples where we actually use something like a DAO because if you have a data mm -hmm. access mm -hmm. object, you can yes. redirect, you know, all reads to the one and the writes to the other so that you can improve massive performance. And you, you did this with uh, Java E, right? Yeah, yeah. Whatever I do is Java yes. E. Yeah, I did that. I did exactly like exactly like you said. Mm -hmm. I did exactly, but I did it with Spring with uh -huh. abstract routing data source. So probably it's the same pattern. Okay. It's the same pattern, but uh, so actually you had, you we have two data sources. Uh-huh. We have two data sources, and then you have the abstract one, which does does the routing, and then the connection can go either to the primary, exactly. where you can execute the read write, mm -hmm. and the whole switch was was done based on the transactional annotation, which has a read only flag, and there, if the read only flag is true, then you go to the uh, to the follower databases, to the mm -hmm. replica ones, and mm -hmm. if the read only flag is set is by default is uh, false, you mm -hmm. get you go to the primary node. Funny. So funny. So it's good that people now uh, uh, now they will know. That no matter what solution they are using, they have they can implement this. Yeah. So even if you are using Java E, Jakarta E, nowadays I think that it's proper to call it yeah, Jakarta yeah. E. Yeah, is very similar, and even now Quarkus Elidon is actually the same. So for me, it's the programming model doesn't change. The only thing is in as the main difference between 
Java EJ2 e servers and now it's in J Java e servers you could deploy multiple apps and with Corcus, mm -hmm. Helidon and so forth you can just have one app but the programming mm -hmm. model and the mm -hmm. concepts are identical so there is are no difference yes. it's, it's which, is, which is great because uh, you can migrate from J2E or Java E in half a day to Quarkus Helidon or whatever right so this is the the, 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 the nice this is you asked me though know, before the show uh, mm -hmm. how, how I'm doing it's crazy there's lots of such requests you know uh, this is uh, like the, you're the, migrating yeah a you're, lot. you're now migrating you're migrating to, to Quarkus, right? To, to Quarkus, Quarkus Helidon Quarkus. sometimes, but mainly Quarkus and MicroProfile is a huge spike now interest. And, uh, but uh, Helidon is uh, it's a production-grade uh, solution uh, from Oracle, right? I don't right? have or, Helidon or in production yet. Quarkus, uh, no, uh, it is it's production ready, but okay. I, I personally don't use it in production yet. And mm -hmm. Quarkus is production ready and we use it in production. Yes, I know. So, uh, yes, Quarkus. It is. So you have you have uh, many clients using Quarkus uh, yes. nowadays. Yes. Oh, that's great. Uh, and and uh, this is we already because um, if I come to a project, people ask me, you know, what to do, and uh, usually I say, okay, pick whatever server you like. I don't care a lot, but let's see what you have, right? If they have IBM, they end up having Open Liberty. If they have yes. already some Red Hat licenses, they will probably go with Whitefly. If it's an mm -hmm. old Sun shop, they will get Payara, and uh, mm -hmm. host shop with Tomcat, they will get Tommy. And uh, mm -hmm. and this is how it is. And sometimes they say, okay, what is my opinion about Quarkus? So I explain them and sometimes they pick Quarkus and the, usually the Wi-Fi guys can just use Quarkus because it's one-to-one yes. -one migration, so it's no difference. And some startups started with Whitefly and Payara and now migrate to Quarkus. For me, it is it's great, but it's not like in my project, Whitefly, Payara and the others were always fast. So there was like, we started in two seconds and whatever. So this was never an issue. And Quarkus even mm -hmm. faster, but you know, if something if something starts in two three seconds and Quarkus starts in one you second, don't. so okay, oh, it uh, it's nicer. It doesn't but, matter. But if I would start right now, I pick just for fun Quarkus. Or today I started with Payara just for me. I, I just switching back and forth is doesn't matter. But um, and they are running the JVM uh, the JVM yes. uh, mode or the Graal VM. In my project, they are more serious project. Let's say serious. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, if the, this is like a more enterprise, they always run mm -hmm. the JVM mode. And the reason being yes. is because uh, they have usually support from third-party JVM vendors, right? Oh, okay. And, and they're yeah, like, you know, the, and GraalVM is from, from Oracle right now, and then can ask, is it supported or not? And the support question mm -hmm. is not really clarified. And then they say, okay. and if you run Quarkus, it is already half of memory of anything else on the market. So they already save a lot. And then doesn't matter okay. whether we save a further, no, eighty percent. Who cares then? Yeah, exactly. And and you know all the monitoring and all the stuff we talk about, it works. And uh, for instance, right, uh, DB2, <laughs> in one project with ancient DB2 host driver, it is a Quarkus project right now, and oh. uh, we didn't even try to you know to translate to GraalVM because I don't think the the ancient DB2 host driver will run on GraalVM. And it works perfectly in JVM mode, so there's no limitations. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, probably there are many subtle differences. Yeah. I know because I have an uh, open source project, uh, which is quite popular. It's that Hibernate Types project. And uh, I had some requests uh, coming from... Um, there was someone who was uh, building a Quarkus application. So they provided a pull request where they only had to change one line of code in some reflection uh, API I was mm -hmm. using. And it was, and we, with that change, it just instantly it worked on the JVM mode. But then someone wanted to run it on GraalVM, and there were so many uh, things that didn't work. And uh, I said that even in this library, which is uh, very specific and it does, it's not, it, it has a very small scope mm -hmm. and it doesn't work. I don't even want to think how many other changes you need to do to your project in order to make it run on GraalVM. So I think that will happen maybe five, 10 years from now. Maybe. No, I mean, this is the, uh, the, GraalVM is not a problem to do. So actually, Quarkus help you with that. So the cool story is, yeah. that, um, but 
very quickly because I wanted you know to ask you about the persistence, but <laughs> just about yeah, Quarkus. Sure. Uh, the uh, what Quarkus knows if you run your micro profile on my stuff or extensions and extension with Quarkus. What extension actually means is a prepared dependency and mm -hmm. uh, without reflection. So Quarkus already yeah. knows what is used. This is the extension basically, and there are two oh, parts. There is like a runtime and deployment part. And the deployment part at build time, it optimizes everything. So there is no magic at runtime, right? Mm -hmm. So Great. if you do something with GraalVM directly, you would tell GraalVM all the dependencies. With Quarkus, you don't have to do that because Quarkus already knows all the dependencies. It happens automatically. But if you right. are using a third-party library, which uses a lot of reflection and class for name new instance and class loading, Quarkus cannot help you with that. Then you will have to use register for reflection annotations to help, you know, Quarkus mm -hmm. to pass the information to GraalVM. So I would say okay. with Quarkus, you are going to be faster to move something on, on GraalVM than without. Okay. I don't know whether uh, we had some exchange, exchange on Twitter, but the, the, the really funny thing is for five to six, seven years, uh, six, seven years, I uh, always said, you know, thin wars. Don't be depending on anything. Just go with Jakarta E and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the cool yeah. story is there are lots of projects which follow that. And these projects are really easy to migrate to Quarkus. Almost nothing to mm -hmm. do. Just because they have no external dependencies. They are just, you know, the Jakarta and microprofile dependency. Exactly what mm -hmm. Quarkus supports. So we, we replace at stateless with request scope transactional, done. And, and oh, this great. is why, and this is happens, you know, it, it is a skyrocketed the demand. Because, I don't know, popularity, I, I, I don't know why, but uh, it, it happens a lot right now. So you are a visionary. <laughs> uh, no visionary. We had a discussion. If you, we had more time than uh, the, the, the third uh, podcast, um, I'm just, you know, if, you, if you, you, you become, you know, the same mindset properly in five years as well, what you will see mm -hmm. is that the dependencies are coming and going. And this is not mm -hmm. very wise to you know to to start a business project with fifty different dependencies just because it's fun. And this happens yes, a course. lot in projects. And then what I did was okay, stop. What is the rule? And the only rule I could found, which is you know somehow how to call it, easy to explain and one on zero is uh, stop. We don't use any external mm -hmm. dependencies. We just use you no know, the Jakarta and MicroProfile APIs because supported by different vendors. Done. And if you need something else, you have to justify. Okay, makes so, sense. So you you have Wiki or Excel or whatever. Write down. I would like to have, I don't know, this library uh, because it will save me three days and without this, I will have to replement everything by myself. So, and there mm -hmm. are such libraries and then it's okay. Then we know the libraries and use it. Without that, in project, what I see everything, you know, Jakarta commons, locking, two, three locking framework, caching, all the Jakarta length because it's nice, then Lombok and whatever. And in the end of the day, we have 50 libraries and I've asked developers why we have them. Yeah, we always had them, you know, just like cargo cult, just doing something because yeah. everyone did it. <laughs> and um, so, and this is why I did never like that. And um, also now we can, you know, have nice chat because we can agree on JDBC API, right? Imagine mm -hmm. there will be no JDBC API. So we oh. would spend five hours discussing, you know, the driver features and one would will have connection, uh, uh, think the other would be properly via REST accessible or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure, because it's what NoSQL is doing right now. So it would be actually, we couldn't even agree on the concepts, right? So uh, for me, yeah. it is like, if you just focus on the API, then uh, for us consultants or for you, yeah, we call you also somehow of consultant or, you know, product mm -hmm. seller with consulting background, I would say. Uh, it, is, <laughs> yeah, it is easier to keep up, right? Because, uh, because, yes, exactly. yeah, because I only have to learn, you know, the diff. It's not like mm -hmm. every th three months, MicroProfile releases the new version. So I, I look at that. So, okay, cool. Now I'm master and for three months I'm in vacations, right? But imagine <laughs> I would use the, all the hot frameworks right now without the API, impossible. 
I couldn't advise yeah. any of sure. my clients. Yeah, this is this is the the background, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, no, it's not visionary. It's just lazy, I would say. So call, call me lazy. <laughs> and no, it's, uh, it's a very wisdom. Wisdom. There's a, a lot of wisdom in this advice. Yes. And if you if you the, the funny stories on Quarkus, if you look at Quarkus, why this is why uh, I became active with Quarkus. I ignored no white fly swarm, mm -hmm. all the stuff. I was not interested at all. But in Quarkus case, mm -hmm. if you look what they are doing, this is like you know Java on steroids because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Java E had lots of this. deployment and Quarkus, what it does, it does everything which Java E did at build time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. This, this is this what visionary for me, what they did. This was, I'm still excited, you know, if I think about that. They, uh, for instance, they separate the business logic from the infrastructure. They have always two layers. So it's absolutely cloud, cloud native. There's one jar, but it's not a Fed jar, not mm -hmm. Uber jar. It's just like, there's no name for it. And, um, and you run the jar. But if you push it to Kubernetes or Docker, you always get two layers. And your layer is tiny, like 500 kilobytes. So they do everything right. So whatever developer is custom to from Java eWorld, it can apply on Quarkus. But Quarkus is still the smallest runtime available right now. This is the cool part, you know. It's just, I think, yeah, not, I a, not a big, you know, not a big, I would say, achievement to create a complete new API, something different. I think the hard stuff is to, 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 to be backwards compatible and do amazing stuff. And this is what they achieved. So what I really admire, I have to say. Yes, and uh, lots of uh, my ex-colleagues, which mm -hmm. are very, uh, very good professional and they know know a lot of stuff, are involved in it. And I, uh, when you have so many smart people working on something, it makes sense that in the mm -hmm. end, it will turn out uh, very well. And uh, being uh, all managed by Red Hat, I think that uh, it came out uh, really well in the end. Yes, and, and not only Red Hat. What's cool is uh, I know some you know yes. uh, committers which are, had nothing to do with Red Hat. And if you look at the oh. the contributor list, there were like 150 contributors, and only you know the 50 percent is from Red Hat. So this is a good sign. But to mm -hmm. you now, you have no time because end of year. But you know Christmas around. I think it would mm -hmm. be if you provide an extension for Quarkus with your product, mm -hmm. which monitors yeah. you know. This is 2021. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, because you know, Quarkus yeah. is fresh and popular, and Red Hat will mm -hmm. promote you. So it will be actually a great new idea to do something like this. And it's not a lot of work if you know what you are doing, right? Because you can, mm -hmm. the extensions are open source. You can look at one and just put your product inside. I wanted to be lazy, as you said, and uh, to have someone do it for me. It's an open source ah, project. <laughs> I'm not on this stage. You are, you are faster than your, your evolution is faster than mine. I have no one. I enjoy doing my stuff, right? But you are you're more a businessman. I recognize the last time, you know, your product and I'm just no hacker. Cool. <laughs> the, the, um, we, we end up being at the JDBC prepared statement level. So what I would yeah. like uh, to, to, to mention right now, I think we don't manage to do it right now because uh, I would want started with uh, ORM mapping. So if you like, we can do it yes. ne next time. Yes, we can. Yes, we still have some time to discuss about. Uh, all, we this is a very large, like you said, this is a very large uh, subject topic. So we probably we will it will take more uh, meetings to discuss about it. But, but yes, we can still uh, we can we can do transactions. Yes, we can talk. Of, yes, transactions because fit nicely. Uh, so. Yes, Do you we'll still see projects through. with auto commit mode on? Uh, I I hope I will not uh, see many what projects see doing the, that. Them? 
or no, not? no. Uh, okay. People, I what I notice that people sometimes ask it uh, over mm -hmm. Stack Overflow, and uh, they assume that if they do auto commit for read only runner, it will be better. It's not. It's not. Yeah. And uh, I hope they don't do that. Even if you're executing three queries, it doesn't make sense to open uh, three connections uh, from the pool for every query. It still makes sense to reuse the same connection from the beginning to the end and execute those uh, statements in the scope of the same connection. Uh, so I hope uh, that I'm, I'm not going to see it. And I, I don't think that it's so popular because nowadays people use uh, some mm, data access framework, which is above uh, JDBC. So they don't get this capability. Mm -hmm. It's disabled by by the framework. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I hope that's not an issue anymore. So uh, before, uh, as I started with JDBC, uh, auto commit mode was hugely popular. And oh. uh, and uh, this was like in tutorials, every time it is nice and easy. And uh, how auto commit? So you have to set set auto commit on. I think true, right? This is set auto commit true on the connection level. I it's, think it's right? true by default. So you have to set it to false. Okay, this is what explicitly. I did okay, you, you have to set it to false. And only when you set it to false, then uh, then uh, the transaction boundary start at that point. And every time you're calling commit or rollback, you commit and rollback, and you automatically start, start a new, a new one. transaction. But but the exactly. commit is. Off by default, right? The auto commit, yeah. Uh, the auto commit uh, is enabled by default. Oh, so you have to call. Yes, it's it's enabled by default. It works like uh, as if you are you as if you are developing um, a MySQL browser or a PG admin application. That's, no, this that's is what, no. Default. So on every statement, it 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 commits the transaction, begins a new one. But uh, what yes. I thought is that but, this is disabled by default. But uh, no, yeah. no, it's it's enabled by default and frameworks and but you can you can disable it by default on on a connection pool level. Mm -hmm. So you can configure the connection pool to disable uh, the auto commit mode for every so every time you get a connection it's automatically set to auto commit false exactly. but because the but but because the connection pool did that mm -hmm. because you told it to do that okay and then on application service my world microprofile jakarta java j2e whatever how is it called that it never changed mm -hmm. the concept you usually say you know uh, in okay either you can say begin no one does that but you can say begin and then explicitly mm -hmm. commit what happens mm -hmm. behind the scenes is there is a like concept called jta java transaction api and uh, and uh, it tells the server transaction starts and now dependent on the mm -hmm, setting, mm -hmm. either it gets automatically propagated to the physical uh, logical physical connection and database, mm -hmm. or not. It really depends how how you set the thing up. But if you say mm -hmm. commit, so this commit gets propagated again via the uh, the logic uh, pulled connection, logical connection, connection TCP/IP and database, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and. Uh, what this begin and commit actually means is highly dependent on the isolation levels. Yes, and it also depends on. Now, question what... to you: You know where yes. where they are defined the isolation levels? You will know it immediately. Well, where are they on the on the connection? Yeah, perfect. They're perfect. On, on is, the connection yeah, exactly. interface. Exactly. And uh, you, it's they are defined as you can tell they are defined so uh, uh, anciently because those should have been an enum, but Java didn't have an enum yeah. at that time. So they are they are just the numbers. Mm -hmm. So they are just numbers. And what's interesting is some database drivers mm -hmm. provide the new isolation level, so they use new numbers. Like uh, SQL Server has one snapshot isolation, okay. and it uses one thousand. For for the number, okay. <laughs> so that they don't uh, probably they don't um, have a, a conflict with <laughs> some okay. other. Okay. So something like that. So yes, they are defined the connection interface. So the, the, the connection interface in Java, and it has um, it's a it's a it's a read committed repeatable read, but it has something in between. It's a, it's transaction read committed or something like that. The 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 string. Let's uh, let's. Uh, it's not just read committed. It has something uh, a prefix. Uh, wait so a second. Yeah, I can look it up. Uh, this is the SQL JDBC Java doc. Yes. 
and you will find it out. I think yes, it's, four, it's four. transaction. Yes, it's transaction read transaction committed. It's the first one, yes. then transaction read committed. Uh, yes, uh, it has a prefix. The yes. transaction read uncommitted, transaction repeatable reads, and transaction CLIs. Mm -hmm. So uh, the interesting part is if you would use transaction uh, uh, none, means uh, we get probably an error because uh, it means it is. I don't think it's not supported. It's not, yeah. and it doesn't make sense because databases were designed to work uh, in exactly. a nice one. Well, it's not nice. You're saying this. What yes. you see a, a, a defect in projects? They have let's say master data and they just reading. And they try to mm -hmm. disable the transactions. But if you disable everywhere the transactions, the database will still start a mini transaction for every statement. And this can take time. It's, it's, it's auto-commit mode. Yeah. Because people don't realize that the databases cannot work in non-transactional way. Yeah. The database was designed to work in a transaction. Yeah. It's just the scope that you are configuring. Exactly. Either you either you are increasing the scope to execute more con uh, more statements mm -hmm. in a transaction. Otherwise, the scope is reduced to the statement itself. Mm -hmm. But it's impossible to because the database has to provide some guarantees. It's mm -hmm. not uh, it's not a uh, uh, um, let's say a best effort uh, yeah. uh, product. No, it has to work and it, it has to be reliable. So that way, transactional are not, you cannot disable them because it makes no sense. Yeah, because our context of the entire discussion are ACID databases. So this is what will imply. Mm -hmm. This is ACID is like, it's not base, basic availability, soft state, eventual yes. consistency. Mm -hmm. This is ACID, mm -hmm. this is atomicity, consistency, isolation, and durability. And exactly. all the database we talk about, they are advertised with the high consistency. So this is the deal, right? So you cannot, yes, you, you won't bait Oracle and say, maybe the data is there. If you buy Oracle, you probably rely that commit is commit and not like maybe, right? And uh, what's even more interesting is that they started like that in the 70s and 80s. They started like ACID was uh, was, was the norm. Mm -hmm. And then you had for, for a very small period of time, you had uh, an OSQL where they dropped it in favor of base, like you said. But nowadays, new SQL is the new databases. Yeah. And you have VaultDB, Google Spanner, CockroachDB. Uh, and those nowadays are even have stronger guarantees than, yeah. uh, than the traditional database. So now they start with serializable by default, yeah. not even with committed which so the trend is to have more consistency more correctness not less correctness yeah. that i want people to 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 understand that we want the business wants more correctness not yeah. less yeah and this is yes. what i t told you earlier right it's a visionary it's not a visionary at all so if you if you think about this what we had back then was right and then you know yes. we say no sequel it is no we don't need transactions and uh we, i had a, in, in, in a podcast with lucas ada with a php they say we don't need transactions with my sequel you know and and then <laughs> uh and, and this was back then the advert really uh, i was in project in yeah. 2005 your stupid java no transactions way too complicated look at php they don't have any transaction that it works i mean yeah in this <laughs> context probably right because you don't recognize that mm -hmm. the your, your shopping cart is half full or half empty or whatever or inconsistent but in my mm -hmm. context it would so what people don't understand transactions are really convenient this is the thing Already, yes, uh, th th this is actually the bi biggest feature ever because i can do something and i say commit and i'm done Without transactions, mm -hmm. I have to see, uh, I have to be either potent or I have to have a counter, counter actions, you know. Um, and, exactly, and, sagas. And, yeah, and they forget about that. Who would like to implement sagas? I mean, the sagas is a nice term, but uh, the implementation is crazy. So for every transaction, yes. I have to have, you know, a, a compensative transaction, which is not undo, it is business undo. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, saga it's, would it's, mean... It's rolling forward. 
Yeah. It's not rolling backward. You're yeah, rolling exactly. forward. So uh, it's not like we have a podcast and then I don't like you anymore. It's not like I do undo and you disappear. I have to do something about that, right? You have to do bash you <laughs> on Twitter or whatever, but it's not like I say, okay, yeah, I you never have stuck to, to yeah. block me on Twitter. Right? Yeah, block, block you on Twitter or whatever. It's necessary <laughs> to do that, right? So this would be the saga. And not just, uh, we never talked, like, you know, many black with the, you know, the white light. Mm-hmm. There was like they had a flashlight, and if they activated the flashlight in the movie, many black uh, the person forgot about everything. You know, this is why like yeah. undo, and the sagas mm-hmm. is more like business. Okay, now important thing. So transactions are a thing, but how well the transactions are working depends on isolation levels. And what you said exactly. something interesting with serializable. This is my approach in projects. What we do, regardless which database we have we set always the highest possible isolation level on the driver level, mm-hmm. perform stress tests, right. and see whether it works. If it works, we are done. If it doesn't, mm-hmm. then we ask business and try you know, to, 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 to see what we can do. Because if you change the isolation level, you change actually the behavior of the system, right? Exactly. And it changes, the, uh, the behavior it changes quite significantly. And uh, what's interesting is uh, for people to know is that... Um, uh, for the top database system that we're using, none of them uses serializable by default. Actually, only MySQL uses repeatable read by default, and all the other ones use read committed by default. So you have to set, if you want, exactly like in your case, you have to set it explicitly. So you have to you, you have to uh, set it either at the connection pool level mm-hmm. or probably you, uh, Java E also had a yeah, setting which you can set it uh, for level, a transaction. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Usually exactly, on this, on the no, connection, connection pools from application servers, you're setting the... Exactly. Mm-hmm. You had a setting to set it there. So, uh, but you need you need a performance uh, tests in order to determine whether you you are in the service level agreement. So yeah. whether you, your um, transaction response time fits in the yeah. service level agreement. Yeah, and if there it are no then yet, do, Exactly. Uh, and from mm-hmm. serializable, what it actually means is that it looks from the outside as if uh, everything happens one after another. There's no interference between the data. Well, so. well, the definition is uh, looser than that. Actually, what ser- people don't, well, they use the term, but they don't have the visual concept of mm-hmm. what uh, serializability means. It means that uh, when, it, when you have multiple, uh, m- you, you have multiple connections, concurrent connections, mm-hmm. trying to modify, read and modify data, it means, serializable means that the outcome mm-hmm. in the reader log mm-hmm. is equivalent to one one possible serial execution, mm-hmm. but it doesn't take time into consideration. It doesn't say that A, B, C, it has to be in this order. It mm-hmm. can be A, B, C, it can be A, C, B, mm-hmm. B, C, A, it doesn't matter. Serializable means that it has to be equivalent to any serial execution, but it doesn't take time into consideration because if you also take time into consideration, it means that the transaction is both serializable and linearizable, mm-hmm. which gives you strict seri- serializability. Mm-hmm. And, and you get that only if you're using locking, two-phase locking, yeah. the my my uh, Microsoft SQL Server or DB2 old-fashioned style. V- very good. So the next one I have to look it up is read committed. And uh, yes, read committed is even loser. What it just means is if you say something, right, and then you are done, mm-hmm then the listeners will hear what you said until yes but if i would interrupt you it is going to be deleted because you never said you know i'm done so read committed is you only read data which is with someone else committed to database without mm-hmm. read committed i would see everything in a database like in a file you, you will write to mm-hmm. a file i will read from the file i will see immediately your data and this commit is like safe you write to a file safe and i can read your data right so this is actually mm-hmm. what what it on the means. Yes, read committed actually, uh, like the title implies, which uh, it means that you are allowed 
to, uh, you are allowed to see the state of the database on the query execution, how mm -hmm. it was then in the read log. So you get to see everything that was committed prior to the beginning of your query. Mm -hmm. But then if you do another query, you, get, you again see all the changes happening mm -hmm. that were committed prior to executing your next query. The problem is that during your transaction, you'd like to see the data as of the beginning of the transaction, mm -hmm. not the beginning of the query, because then the data starts drifting during exactly. your transaction. So now you, I'm reading something at the beginning of the transaction, it was red, and now uh, in the middle of the transaction, I'm reading it again, now it's blue. Exactly. Oh, but but I did but I did some changes mm -hmm. uh, based on the fact that it was red. Now I have to uh, now I have to uh, how how would that work? I would have to keep on uh, change uh, checking it until the yeah. end of the transaction to see if uh, I still have money in my bank account or to 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 see if the product still uh, is still present in the in the warehouse because I I'm seeing something. Oh, I can order it. You see, it's still in the report. I'm I'm, I'm making an order, mm -hmm. and when it comes back. I will see that, oh, but it's, we, we couldn't give you a MacBook Pro. We only gave you a MacBook Air. Yeah. So I, I think it's fine for you. So it, you uh, are not going to be... Uh, uh, I was in a, in a task mad. force with that. And, and, and <laughs> yeah. the, 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 uh, my client, told, this was several years ago, told me, okay, uh, once every month or three months, I forgot about that, our data get inconsistent. And, uh, and uh, the interesting part was uh, there was a batch job which uh, ordered things like MacBooks Pros, but, but it's not MacBooks Pro. And they were actually, in one transaction, they read the configuration and they changed that, mm -hmm. right? One transaction, <laughs> begin, commit, <Yes>. reading, <laughs> changing. And this uh, reading, the, uh, some smart-ass developer, I would say, deactivated <laughs> the transactions. And so it means you can read and uh, the database could change in meantime. So you read, you know, the configuration. Yeah. Another job changed actually the configuration and what you ordered was completely different what you what you what you thought you ordered you know so yes what we need read, to do read, this modify right yes. yeah so what we would need is repeatable read something like this so exactly. for the entire thing at least repeatable read, yeah yes. and this looks from from me as java developer like synchronized so in the method you know this is my thing and and whatever happens in the yes. method this is not synchronizes to lose but just to, to, to imagine that is repeatable. So great. What I thought is you are a loser on, on, on transactions, but you are you have exactly the same opinion as I have. So I thought, you know, we will have a harder discussion on this point, but um, I'm absolutely with you. So uh, the consistency is a good thing. It should be as high as possible. And if you lower the isolation levels, you change the business logic. And then you have to talk, you know, with the product owners, business experts to say, look, now uh, we can interfere optimistic, lucky, whatever, but we have to change, you know, the user interface and we have to introduce more use cases to yes. compensate the inconsistency. Yes, and the people, what I, uh, I would tell to people, it's, it's, it's perfectly fine to use lower isolation levels yes. as, as long as you understand what, what are the anomalies, all mm -hmm. the anomalies that you get and whether they can affect your business or not. If you can uh, prove that, then it's perfectly fine. Then you don't need it. But I cannot tell you whether you, you have it's This is a business exactly. uh, specific uh, exactly. thing. Uh, like uh, if you have a form, like you, if you're implementing Stack Overflow, that has some requirements. But if you're implementing a, a, a shop and a, you know a, a store, and you you, want, you you have different requirements, it's all it's all based on the business and expectations and whether you are processing money. People people's money. People care about their money. They don't, don't want their money to to be spent on uh, yeah. on things that they didn't order or yeah. to money to to disappear without getting a product. So it always depends on uh, on that. And uh, actually, I I wrote about it in my in my book. And actually, even which, which uh, was the have... name of the book? The title again. 
high, high performance Java persistence okay. where I explain all the anomalies. You know, people think that there are only the anomalies are the ones which are in the SQL standard. They are not. There are more, many more than that. Mm -hmm. In the standard, they say that you, you can have... Um, you can have uh, dirty reads, you can have uh, uh, non-repeatable reads, and you can have phantom reads. But in reality, you can have more anomalies. You can have uh, lost updates, mm -hmm. you can have read skew, you can have write skew. And all of those, uh, you, you, uh, I wrote in my book, for, for every database on every isolation levels, what are the guarantees? For instance, if you're using Oracle and you're using serializable, that's not serializable. Mm -hmm. It's snapshot isolation, in fact. And it allows you to get a, a write skew anomaly. Mm -hmm which happens when you have two concurrent users, one both reading the same two separate records, and then they write, each one writes one version of the record, the other writes the other one. And at the end, you don't have a strictly serializable from A, B, from A to B and from, or from B to A, you have an interleave of, uh, of uh, changes, which is not strict, which is not serializable. But uh, yes, for marketing purposes, it's serializable. <laughs> yeah, so what, what I advise is also, is uh, that if you have a connection pool, you have to set the isolation levels because if you don't set it, the default from the database will win. And what can happen exactly. is that the database admin will change that and it will completely mm -hmm. change behavior of the system, right? Yes, exactly. And you don't realize it. And the only way to prove it is to have tests, but writing concurrency tests is not very no. easy. No. You have to, you, you have to, uh, you have to know a lot about, uh, for instance, Java concurrency, how to write it properly. You need to understand how, uh, for instance, what you can uh, use in order to, to, to make it. You have to have countdown latches. You have to understand how countdown latches work in order to, to write a proper, uh, integration, a proper test, which can work with two users and determine what's uh, the outcome. And I'm, I doubt that anyone does that in their projects. Most of the time it's best effort. They realize something went wrong. They spend a lot of time to figure out. And in the end they find out, oh, you <laughs> cannot have these guarantees. I cannot read and, and uh, have the guarantee that at the end of the transaction, what I commit is based on what I read. I so can tell you what I that. see in my projects. So what I see in my project is people like, uh, they, they would like to deliver high quality code, which means in in means uh, in in the most uh, bigger projects they need a high code coverage, which means you know that the unit tests on Sonar they have provided unit tests yeah. which yeah. run on yeah. Sonar so and how to achieve the high co uh, code coverage they mock out for instance the entity manager from JPA they mock out everything oh. and then they no. no 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 kidding they do like you know create name query and then see whether something returns and then they have code coverage one hundred percent. And the database, which not even hit once. So, um, but you don't need um, mocks for entity manager. You need no, integration. No, no, no don't, don't tell me this. This is yes. very good that you are telling this. What uh, what I'm usually talking about is uh, anti integration tests. So uh, mm. we actually use you now this persistence create entity manager, and we use live database, and you can just mm -hmm. go in your integration test for whatever you like. You don't even to start the server. It is uh, outside, and uh, but this usually doesn't you know create the stats for the sonar. And they they need you know the eighty or one hundred percent code coverage, so this is like you know funny funny story or funny or sad story for me funny sad you know it is a reality it's 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 a reality yeah it's just reality so listen <laughs> we should pick on the anomalies and uh, and then go up up to hibernate and then little JPA mm -hmm. and then I will try to explain you why I really like application servers and one of the reasons is the, uh, the transaction stuff right because in okay. my projects uh, if I do perform code review. And I see transaction in the in the code base. I know it is usually a defect, because mm -hmm. uh, what uh, what happens is um, just just a cliffhanger. So in application service, Java, Jakarta, Quarkus, everything the same. 
So we have like, you know, the entry point is like the threat. And what happens in mm -hmm. my projects, we start the JTA transaction on that level. Mm -hmm. And as it gets propagated down, it means from the use case perspective, it's always correct. There are always exceptions mm -hmm. from the rule, but with that, you're done, right? This is, this is the basic architecture what we have, and this works great. And before that, like 10, 15 years ago, developers tried to optimize, you know, transactions at different level, and it was always inconsistent, deadlocks, whatever. But with that, this is like, you know, the last, I would say, five to eight years. Uh, with this architecture, it is really simple, and we are super productive with Java or without, mm -hmm. doesn't, doesn't matter. So this is what we, yes, we yes. should end up, you know, after a few episodes, 2023 or whatever, <laughs> with the entire persistence. <laughs> nice. Where people can find you, and this book you mentioned is High Performance, uh, what? Hibernate? Java persistence. Java persistence. No, high performance Java persistence. It's uh, it's not high. It's not high performance uh, Java persistence API. No, it's high performance Java persistence, mm -hmm. where persistence means everything related to persistence, from database to JDBC to Hibernate. It even mentions Juke, and uh, uh, that's it's not about uh, JPA. Very it's good. It's about it's the persistence word, uh, the English word, not the. Product. Not a standard, yeah. not a product, yes. And uh, then you have a couple of products for me are courses and utilities, but products you have uh, online courses and you have your the GDBC Hypersistence, right? What was the name? Uh, no, I have a, I have one project, uh, open source project, which is, uh, uh, I, I know what you meant, but uh, I will continue. Uh, I have one open source project, the FlexiPool, which is to monitor uh, the the drivers. Another one, which is Hibernate Types, which has are some extras to Hibernate. And the one that probably that uh, you call it Hypersistence Optimizer. That's what it scans uh, the, your usage of JP and Hibernate and tells you what you need to change in order to get better performance exactly because yep. yes it, configurations mappings uh, usage queries uh, how you use the session it's um it provides i think it provides a lot of value and it can save a lot of time and money for uh, for for people if they use it uh but that's for for the people to decide whether it yeah <laughs> but but what the product probably will do is if we if you don't set you know the transactions properly it will probably say look we are running an auto commit mode or whatever right so we'll uh, yes, I think it's. Uh, I think it already checked. I'm. I'm not sure. I'll. I'll have to. This is a very good. I'm, I'm not sure if I add it to the to-do list, but it. It should also. It should also check yeah, you that see. as well. <laughs> <laughs> but nowadays, if you're using Hibernate, it doesn't allow you to use. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you're, whenever you're executing something, and if you don't have transaction, it will complain. Mm -hmm. Actually, Hibernate uh, disables auto commit for uh, for you anyway. Yeah. This is why I thought because it was always disabled in my projects. I. I. I have for. I think. The last I enabled that was probably 2000. Since then, I always used JDBC and assumed this is transactional, so I didn't even knew that it's enabled by default auto commit mode. So this was new for me. No, if you if you take a look on on that same method, that, so if you have set auto commit, and you will see there in this uh, connection that it says the connection auto commit in the given state, and we it's auto commit true to enable, false to disable. Let's uh, see. I'm also default. here now at Java doc. Yes. But, uh, in the I Java forgot. doc, by default, new connections are in auto commit mode. You see, it's the last uh, statement in the first phrase in the set auto commit method. Just is the first phrase. Yeah, look at mm -hmm. the end. By default, new by connections default, are new... auto commit mode. Great. I learned something. Yes. Perfect. Now I learned a lot, but this is uh, this I was convinced is uh, the other way around, but it's great. Perfect. Yeah, it would it would have been better, but I don't know for. I think the reason why they Historic. used it it was for it was for uh, probably. 
for example, so I'm, I'm not sure it looks like that would make sense if you have a, an, a, a REPL or something like that, or, you know, REPL or something where you you want to, from the command line to, to generate yeah, don't something. Don't forget that this is older than everything. This is like, you know, at the beginning with applets or something like this makes sense. You know, not everyone knew about Probably. transactions. So this is historic reasons. So JDBC is uh, one 90, of the oldest. Mm -hmm. 96 or something like that, yeah, 97, exactly. I'm not sure. Yeah, this was JDK11. Like it came out with JDK11 yeah. and it was used in the projects. And back then, mm -hmm. auto-commit was normal. Oh, okay. so I can tell That's, you. Uh, so everyone used auto commit. If you look at the old, you know, articles, auto commit was actually used. It was, and I, in the first, you know, my projects, I, I, I had to fight against that because of some Oracle experience. I knew that it is not right, but uh, back then mm. you had no chance. So auto commit is nicer, and you don't need transactions and stuff like that. So it was the argumentation back oh. then, and the same argumentation happens exactly ten years later. If PHP came out, we don't need transactions. Stupid Java, and then I would say. 10 years later with NoSQL, 2016. Mm -hmm. So NoSQL, we don't need transactions as a force. And then even Google recognized that they need transactions. So they created Spanner. You mentioned CockroachDB, mm -hmm. which is like an open source version of Spanner. And then now we are back to 1996. So we need transactions and our transactions are great. So <laughs> thank you. I wish yeah, you Merry Christmas. Like thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I would like to invite you back in uh, 2021 to talk about anomalies yeah, sure. and persistence mapping, whatever was persistence, because uh, this is actually, I remember the old times, it's a nice chat. Yes, and this is a very uh, big topic, and probably, as you realize, it takes multiple iterations yeah. <laughs> to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we finish it, we realize that we, we left a lot of uh, things that we wanted to discuss in the beginning. And yes, yes, looking forward to the new uh, podcast from in 2021 we can arrange it until then both uh, you and i are going to be very busy yeah, finishing very busy. the projects <laughs> finishing right. the projects that mm -hmm. uh, we started what is okay. the uh, where do people can fi find you on the internet twitter and website well they can find me they can find me on twitter i'm very active there they can find me on linkedin i even have facebook but that's not oh, very popular don't mention that. okay <laughs> <laughs> okay, and basically that's where. The, or on my blog, I have comments on my blog, what is so the they name can of the write. Blog? The name of the blog is myname.com, so it's vladmihalja.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much.